today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. There are some that think this uh, issue with the NCAA has been resolved. Uh, you may remember that uh, the NCAA, after some TikTok images were posted by a college basketball player at the tournament, went viral. Basically, what this was was the NCAA tournament, which is ongoing right now, men's and women's basketball. This guy showed pictures on TikTok of the men's training facility for all the teams that are involved in the tournament, and it was lavish and extensive. Uh, the women's, they had a couple of dumbbells and, and a, it looked like a workout table, and that was about it. Uh, yeah, to talk about the inequity, I think, would be a massive understatement. Anyway, the outrage continues. So Chuck Severson's got some details for us. The beef from Oregon women's forwards, Sedona Prince and others. I got something to show y'all. Going viral images from the NCAA women's training facility in San Antonio, Texas, showing a room with a stack of dumbbells and yoga mats and the men's weight room in Indianapolis being state-of-the-art and fully equipped. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. The NCAA's VP of women's basketball, Lynn Holtz, says they fell short this year, are working to improve, but few specifics. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. When you talk about March Madness, uh, joining us to talk about this and the implications, which I think has to be part of this conversation, is Alison Sandmeyer-Graves, who is the CEO of Canadian Women and Sport. Uh, Alison, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for the time today. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, the fact that this happened is bothersome. The fact that they figured, okay, if we kind of increase the, the workout facilities for women, the problem goes away, and it doesn't go away. It's it, Why this happened, I think it has to be part of the discussion here. Oh, absolutely. And it's easy to say, you know, this is an isolated incident, but we know that it's not. And, in fact, the same athletes have posted their meals, the swag bags, the special branding for the tournaments. And uh, that's the visible stuff. That's the stuff that we can see. What about the things that we can't see, like you know, the pay for, for coaches and things like that. So um, this, I think, is really the, the tip of the iceberg, as we know, within the NCAA, but throughout sport generally. But is this going to bring this to a point? Is this going to actually bring a serious discussion about this? Because uh, your, your point's well taken, Allison. This has been going on for years, and there's so many different inequities. I mean, the, you know, the fact that for even in, in professional women's sports, of course, you know, the prize money is not the same as it is for men's sports, for golf, for tennis, or whatever the case might be. Uh, this has always been there, and, and they've always tried to rationalize it by saying, well, you know, the ratings just aren't there, uh, the support isn't there, the fan support isn't there, uh, which I think is bunk. Uh, frankly, I mean, it's, it's the old idea. If you don't show it, of course, nobody's going to watch it. I mean, at some point, we have to get our heads around this. Well, I think that there's a lot of progress that we can point to. Absolutely. So it's not all doom and gloom. Um, the NCAA really botched their response to the critique, which suggests that they didn't really get it at first. And I think that, you know, the big picture is that it sends a message that women don't deserve the same treatment as men, that women athletes are less than men athletes. And frankly, women are tired of constantly having to justify why they deserve this treatment, why they are not less than. And it's it's offensive. <laughs> so it needs to change. <sighs> The fact that they have to justify it in and of itself is a problem. In other words, they have to make a case for it. There shouldn't actually be a discussion about this, shouldn't there? I mean, athletes are athletes. Well, we certainly believe that, and I think that's really at the core of the movement for equity. I think also um, it's a massive strategic miss by organizations in a time when diversity and inclusion are such high priorities in our society you can just imagine if the headline was, you know, NCAA women's basketball setup is epic, what kind of positive press and sponsorship and other support that it might have generated. Instead, they're dealing with a PR crisis of their own making. 
And I have to commend the athletes who are holding their uh, their organization accountable for the, the implementation of the policies that they have in place. The, the timing of this couldn't be worse, I guess, for the NCAA. I mean, you know, this, of course, with you know, history of Women's Month and, and celebration right across North America, right across the world, uh, and to and to you know, to come up with something like this. And and as you say, they just, it, it's not as if they did this. You know, this was not any any thing that was done with some vile intentions. They just naturally did this because they figured this was the the best way to do it. Yeah, it really speaks to the the, the, the biases that exist um, and that are present in decision-making about where money gets spent, who gets priorita- prioritized, how these things ultimately unfold. We know the research shows that there's a lot of bias still. Um, that, that gives advantages to men over women. And so that's why bringing a gender lens to these processes, to these decisions, really helps to expose where those biases are showing up and gives organizations to make better decisions going forward. How do we educate people about this, Allison? How do we create this awareness that, hey, this is not right? Well, I think conversations like this are a big part of it. Uh, if we're not talking about it, there's no way it's going to change. And again, kudos to those athletes for calling out that inequity and for lots of people sharing that message and, and joining in on the conversation. I think training, um, we offer training as an organization at Canadian Women in Sport on bringing that gender lens into the process of just making decisions um, and really looking at those policies. In the U.S., they have Title IX that prohibits discrimination on the basis of gender in school sport. But it's clear that having a policy and implementing a policy are two different things, and we need to commit ourselves to really making good on our intentions that we've set out in those documents. It's, is there a grand gesture, I mean, to, to try to raise awareness? I mean, I, I, I'm old enough to remember the Billie Jean King, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, um, who did she play, Bobby Bobby Ricks, yeah, uh, in tennis years and years ago. Uh, I know I know why Billie Jean King did that. Uh, it was to re- create the awareness of the inequity. But too many people, I thought, looked at that as, as kind of a, wasn't that a cute little thing that they're doing there? It was like a sideshow. And they didn't understand the significance of what was actually going on there. And I think there's a lot of people that still have that mindset. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's uh, so often this is looked at as a women's issue. This is something women are dealing with, women need to solve. But truly, it's a sport issue. Uh, Inequity is holding sport back overall. And the more we understand that diversity and inclusion make us all stronger, the better we'll be. But it's going to take some hard work and commitment. And, you know, it's it's women aren't looking for some olive branch or some some gesture of of fairness we're looking for the work to be done inside and out so that it's not just the generation today but it's generations to come that are really experiencing you know an, a level playing field as normal and so that means looking at policies looking at the practices within organizations identifying where things are unfair right now and correcting them it's not glamorous work. It's not necessarily going to win them a lot of points, but it's the work that needs to be done. And as you say, I know some some strides have been made, and, and we need to acknowledge that and, and say, look, okay, you know, okay, some people are getting it. That's fine. Uh, and then, and by the way, this is on this side of the border now too. Just last week, of course, the Ontario government announced uh, targeted financial support for a number of different uh, sporting teams. Men's uh, major junior hockey is part of the government's COVID relief package. Uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Quebec have all announced similar projects. Nothing for women's sports. Not a penny. Oversight. 
I would say absolutely. Um, and in fact, we're just putting out a statement to that effect. Listen, we have nothing against the, the OHL or the QMJHL or, or WHL. No, no, you know. yeah. Absolutely. That's not the issue. The issue is that if you're going to target dollars to support men's sport, there has to be consideration given to women as well. Otherwise, we're just perpetuating the historical advantages that men have in sport at a time when we're trying to correct that where we're trying to, you know, help women to catch up and to have those opportunities going forward, especially, if you will, in the context of COVID, where we know women have been disproportionately impacted. So um, we'd like to see um, some fresh thinking on that and some consideration as to where the government can support women's sport in the same way they're, they're supporting men's sport. But doesn't that have to start at the top? I mean, it's, it's great to have a grassroots, uh, you know, movement to try to get something like this done. I get that. But the decision makers, the people in this case that signed the checks, I mean, they're the ones that have to get the message. Oh, absolutely. And I, they're under so much pressure to make the right call, right? Um, what we are looking for is a conversation an opportunity to consider what does it look like to bring that gender lens here? How can we, what, what does the right investment in women's sport look like right now? It doesn't necessarily have to be in the same things as it is for men's sport, um, but there has to be that consideration given. And so really, again, it's about having a conversation. It's about raising awareness of these inequities so that people can do better going forward. Talk to us about the amateur level uh, and, and the implications this is having uh, for training, for instance, for, for young female athletes that are, are trying to uh, reach their maximum uh, potential, of course, in whatever endeavor, whatever athletic field it is right now. Do they have the same access to training, the same access to, to the support that they need to, to be able to do that? It varies really widely by sport, by region, by level of sport. Um, I would say some sports have made some real progress on this. Others are still struggling. Um, and we're concerned that as sports have had to make some really, really tough choices um, in how to deal with slashed budgets and really constrained um, access to facilities and things like that, how are they choosing who benefits, who gets to participate? And so it's... Um, it's an ongoing conversation. It's not just a one-time thing because we make these decisions every single day. And if we're not putting a gender lens on it, we do run the risk of, of having those biases creep back in and saying, well, this is, these are the groups that have always been here, so we need to give them preference, which precludes new groups from gaining access, which so often includes girls and women and, and other underrepresented groups as well. So it's, you know, we talk a lot about equal pay in sports and things like that. These equal conditions and equal investment and support are just as important. It's, I thought it to be encouraging anyway when, when this story broke last week, uh, that some of the, the first reaction to this and some of the first signs of support uh, for the women uh, came from men. And, and, and I think that was pivotal. To, uh, as a matter of fact, a number of professional basketball players, NBA players, spoke out and went on Twitter and, and other social media and, and were very vocal about this to say, look, if this is just plain wrong, uh, that indicates to me that, that the message is resonating in some circles anyway. Absolutely. And men serving as allies is key to all of this moving forward um, because their voices carry weight. They hold a lot of power and influence. And for them to get behind this topic and say that this is something that concerns them as well, and they're committed to seeing this be changed, I think gets people to listen in ways that, that sometimes they don't when it's the women advocating for themselves. 
somehow the women are seen to be subjective or biased in, in you know, promoting their own interests. Well, you've heard, Allison, you've heard that reaction before. You in some circles, oh, there they go again, and you know that 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 can't be. I mean, that's what that's the that's the 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 foundation for the for the the problems that happen here because of that thing that that there are two different levels, and they they just don't want to see that that change. Absolutely, and it's kind of a sorry state of affairs that we need men to step up and to say, you know, hey, wait, you got to actually listen to these women um, and take their concerns seriously. But this is the world that we live in, and so we're grateful to men in every level. It doesn't always have to be, in, you know, an NBA player. Uh, you know, men in our communities, wherever they show up, whether they be dads or coaches or what have you, saying this is important, this is important to everyone, this is important to me, and I'm committed to seeing change on this too. Is this going to be a pivotal time, uh, this whole episode here? I mean, the NCAA says, okay, you've got a better weight training room now. Problem solved. Problem's not solved. Do they get that? Do they understand this is going to take a lot more work? Yeah, that remains to be seen. As I said, their initial response was really a miss. I don't think they understood the significance of this and how it ripples beyond sport. It really is about respect and about value. And the message they sent did not uh, did not suggest that they totally appreciated that. So I think they're making amends on these particular issues, whether that will translate beyond this moment into a more substantive change. Uh, remains to be seen, and and I think it it will uh, if people hold their feet to the fire and hold them accountable. I, I guess it also probably uncovers some of the other underlying factors here too. I looked at some of the colleagues of mine and, and some of the comments I saw on social media about this, and one of the reactions that I actually saw it more than a couple of times was that there's a women's tournament too. I didn't know that. Uh, all these years I've been watching March Madness. I didn't know the women had a tournament. Uh, the, the, the awareness thing really has to be a focal point here, doesn't it? Absolutely, and kudos to TSN for carrying yep. games. It's um, that is absolutely. It's, it's hard to know these things are happening if nobody's talking about them and there's no way to watch them. Exactly. And so having the media and broadcasters buy in and support the tournament, um, this one and others to come, that's a huge uh, factor in creating change on this. Um, if women's sport only gets attention. When there's a crisis or an issue, we're not going to get anywhere. So we need peop- we need fans, and we need also these moments of accountability so that progress keeps moving forward. Absolutely. Well, uh, people such as yourselves and, of course, Canadian women in sport uh, are going to be a, a, a main part of that, too, because you are the voice for them in so many different ways. Allison, keep uh, doing what you're doing, and thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate you joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Allison Sandemeyer Graves, the CEO of Canadian Women in Sport. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.